0: This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. Westsidebarbell.com, the strongest website in the world.
1: Welcome to the Westside Barbell podcast. Today's podcast is based on a question on how would Westside train an Olympic weightlifter? Louis, um, I'd like to start this podcast off, maybe to go back in history a little bit with. Um, Explain to people, where did your system of training uh, originate from?
0: Well, like everyone else years ago, I trained graduate Western periodization overload style and uh, for 11 years, and I brought my back to the second time in 19, during 1981, and I decided it must be a better way. So I decided that one thing powerlifters lacked was speed. I knew weightlifters were quick, so I went to um, the Soviet Union methods and started following them, and I've adapted them ever since.
1: What um, were some of the, uh, the books, or where did you get a lot of the data
0: from? I bought them from uh, Bud Chikonigan. and When I bought him a Management of Training to weightlift Lift or Multi-Year Training Systems and, so, and all the Russian Weightlifting Year books, and I remember I called him up and I told him uh, I need these books, and he said, well, you know, Lou, these are textbooks. Um, and I said, that's exactly what I need. I need to learn to how to lift weights. I, I, I lacked something at that period of time, Tom. I um, mean, you know, I was already a national champion. I'd been a national record holder at meets. Um, I was, had four lead totals already, always in the top 10. i I've been a top 10 at that time for 11, for, for actually for nine years, And uh, but I lacked something. And I didn't know what it was until I bought the books. And then I realized I lacked science. Um,
1: in the books that you reference all the time and the authors Um, There's a lot of data that comes from both the Russian um, or the Soviet style of training and the Bulgarian style of training. Uh, If you could, can you explain both
0: of them and what the big differences are between them? Uh, The main difference is uh, Bulgaria would go through a a rigorous program to select lifters. So their lifters were basically referred to as mothol lifters. They were so tall... And, and a certain weight classes for you know to where they would optimize their training. Uh, it's much like the NFL, you know, if you're a tight end, you gotta be so tall, so long a reach, and so big of hands, and everything and all, like that. That's how they base you. Like lineman, if you're you're not gonna be an NFL lineman that's six foot tall, you got to be tall. So they base it off a of model athlete. The Russians actually develop lifters. They developed through a system called a conjugate system. Many people think they know. That, I mean, I started talking about the conjugate system in 1986. I'd already studied for four years. Now, every time anyone opens their mouth, it's conjugate this and conjugate that, and I don't believe they know what conjugate system is. Especially American weightlifters, asked, they've asked me this question many times. It came from the Dynamo Club, the old Soviet Union, in 1972.
1: Uh, did the Chinese follow... A similar system the conjugate method
0: definitely Tom the Chinese adapted the Soviet system of course in the beginning you had the uh, Soviet coaches uh, they adapted the same system that's why they're so successful today if you look at the China if you look at the Chinese and the Bulgarians I mean the Chinese and the Russians they dominated it was the Russians now the Chinese and, uh, and of course the Bulgarians dominated for a while and now uh, you know we dominate in, in our there's a there's, uh, 22-way classes 10 for women. And twelve for men. And my gym holds seven of the total records. We have the greatest male powerlifter and the greatest female powerlifter of all time. The greatest squats a pound for pound of all time, the greatest full meat benches of all time, and so forth. And we've had four people over nine hundred pounds in a deadlift. Our top ten deadlift average is eight hundred and sixty-six pounds, top five, eight ninety. So basically what I did. I took a Russian weightlifting methods, adapted them to powerlifting, and have the strongest powerlifting gym in the world.
1: And uh, in speaking on that, uh, our intern here, Flavio, has done some research on a recent uh, competition, and i are going to have him uh, explain the results, and then uh, we have more questions to ask you on that. Hi. Um, so,
2: we all know, two months ago, uh, Houston, Texas, uh, there were the weightlifting world championship, and... <clears throat> I had the stats at the, the countries who performed uh, the better. Um, so, turns out that uh, China, uh, throughout the whole competition, uh, they had 10 medals. They won 10 medals, uh, which uh, six goals. And Russia won. Uh, nine medals, of which uh, three golds. Then we have um, the Republic of Campucha, which for the people who don't know is in Cambodia, uh, just underneath China, uh, who had six medals. Uh, then we have Kazakhstan, and for people who don't know, Kazakhstan is under Russia. And then we have Taiwan, with two medals. Um, I was looking at the stats about the USA team, and all the people basically uh, who competed, all the athletes, were mid-bottom table. So my question, Louis, is why do you think USA cannot uh, get uh, still continues to have poor results?
0: Well, in my experience, <clears throat> great teams have great coaches. Bad teams have bad coaches. Uh, now, I don't want this to be misunderstood. I believe American coaches teach technique as well as anybody. Unfortunately, they don't know, know spatial strength exercises. Strength, if you... Um, the coach in China... Uh, coach fang says strength and speed is most important strength is the most important of all if strength didn't matter you would not need weight classes and even women would lift what men do it doesn't happen strength is everything it's the most important without strength you can't develop speed
1: i guess that <coughs> this leads to the question how would Westside train an olympic lifter how would you begin to start training
0: well first of all time um, you know, um, I remember the, the um, Bulgarian weightlifting coaches here, and he asked he asked an audience, "Why is Brazil so good at soccer?" And no one had the answer. And he said, "Because there's millions of them playing soccer. You have to have a base. China has thousands of lifters. Russia has many, many uh, masters of sport and uh, candidates. And so uh, here in America." I, first thing i would do i would build a base um you know it, you you need to start lifting weights first you need the rule three and in case you don't know what that is you have three years of preparatory with gpp uh, which will determine what sport you should be in but after three years they will start a weightlifter 10 years old the periods are 10 and 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18, 19, and between 19 and 21, any athlete of any type is referred to as polished. If you're not, you're gone. Uh, so the first thing I would do, I would start elementary uh, kids lifting weights. I mean, there's no reason you can't do this because, Tom, you've seen a Chinese kid's clean you jerk like 150 pounds at eight years old. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me it can't happen because it can. It's not going to affect growth plates. That's a misconception. That's, that's a total lie. Um, so first thing I do, I build a base. I'd have elementary teams, junior high teams, high school teams, and then at regional contests and state level, you would win some type of prize money. Um, that's the first thing I do. And then as you go on into college, there's a lot of throwers that can clean what weightlifters can. So let's get some scholarships and from the weightlifting fund into colleges so they can have uh, weightlifters uh, on full rides.
2: Um, Louis, you, you're talking about during the. Um Uh, during the early years of training, uh, you need to build a base. Uh, What do you mean by building a base?
0: Well, GP, general physical preparedness, they'd be pulling sleds. They'd be doing obstacle courses. I believe if I had youngsters, they would do two sports, wrestle and gymnastics. They need to be mobility, agility, and um, dexterity. So uh, we need things like that. You know, you watch a lot of Russians. they'll, do, they'll play ping pong or um, for hand and eye coordination even. And also their active rest is playing soccer like maybe you, know, like you do. So um, they do a lot of stuff like that. But you got to build this base. I noticed one thing. This is 2016, folks. You can't walk. I walked into, I, uh, I'm writing a book about American weightlifting. And many people say, well, why are you doing that? Because I watched this film called the documentary American Weightlifting. It was the most depressing thing I have ever seen. If my dog got run over the freeway three times, it wouldn't be as bad. Everyone in that tape, the biggest, most common word I've heard was can't. They can't this. They can't that. They can't this. I can't wait till I get this great lifter walk through my door. You know, I started people who never lifted weights, and they became world champions, world record holders. And uh, so you've got to build a lifter. You can't wait. No one. You know what? People to wait come in last. So, so you got to build a base and. Uh, you got to make kids enjoy this. You know, everybody goes to football game or basketball or the things like a rock concert. So first thing i do, I'd make sure I got the new modern music or whatever the, the kids want to hear. That's what I would have. And I would do seminars in this country to teach people spatial strength methods. They don't understand how to make someone good. Seems like our junior teams are great. Up to a point, and all of a sudden they get left in the dust as they become, um, you know, later stages of teenagers, and then they're, they're just gone. They they limit their, they're, they're, they can't get any farther because they can't get any stronger. Now, now, am I the only one to say this? No, the Russia's been telling us this since 1975.
1: It, it seems a lot of the data and a lot of the videos that I've watched and read uh, boredom is a huge factor. And I think what you're saying will overcome a lot of that, but. There seems to be boredom and a high burnout because of that, because it's the same 12 list. It all comes back to progressive gradual overload and why that is so obsolete.
0: Yes, it's very obsolete. You can't start out doing high repetitions and then over the weeks, reduce the repetitions, raise the weight till you finally get to a, what you call a, a, you know, a comp- competitive um, cycle series. So the reason is, in the beginning, when you build muscle mass and you move into a power stage, and after a few weeks, you lose your muscle mass. If you take moderate weights where you're moving fairly fast and get into heavy weights where they move slow and produce great force, but unfortunately, as you've dropped out your lifts, you've dropped the volume. You must maintain a volume, Tom, as you well know with the weight periodization that we use here at Westside and many of the Soviet coaches use for not only weightlifting but speed skating in many sports. Um, if a person has to squat so much, if you had to maintain a, a 400-pound squat, then you have to do 4,800 pounds of squatting at per work out that would maintain that, uh, or if you had to squat 800 pounds, it'd be 9600 pounds. These things had to be taken into effect. Our training, uh, we basically use a lot of band you 25%. Our weights are 50, 55, 60. So you add 25% on there, it's 75, 80, 85. With the mean, the the average training weight of 80. Uh, it's no coincidence that Chinese do the very same thing. If you look at the Chinese, the reputation is 2 to 5%. So is Westside Barbell. Is this a coincidence or is this a system? I follow the system to a team. Um, uh, why do I use these? Uh, why do they use and why do I use uh, the weights that equate to 75 to 85%? Because 50% of the training of 780 high-qualified European weightlifters use those percents. So I'm smart enough to follow the stats.
2: So you basically saying that the majority of training is between 75 and 85% of uh, one remarks. So um, what about those people uh, that basically think that weightlifting is uh, an explosive uh, sport, a strength sport?
0: Well, really, that has nothing to do with the weightlift yourself, but many football teams think it builds explosive power, does not. Explosive power is built by lifting a barbell with 30% of one rep max. This is high-velocity training. Weightlifting is a speed strength sport. Most poles are 1 to 1.2 meters off the floor in the beginning. This is an intermediate... Uh, velocity it's also called mechanical power um, that's why we do all this the same way in slow velocity or strength speed that's where the barbells are slow but why do we train with these weights because you know a lot of people don't even understand everybody's an expert on website but they never step inside, inside the door in a monthly plan we do 100 squats between 75 and 85 percent of some combination and we do roughly 40 speed pulls as well so we do 140 lifts for the development of uh, acceleration and speed and technique. This is where we work on our technique. Only 24 lifts a month is max effort. We normally would take three weights, one in 90 and something above in a record, and, um, and that's twice a week. You know, we have two lifts, and that's what I do for weightlifters as well. They'd have two max efforts, just like the Chinese. Um, and I would follow this procedure. So they only do we do 24 max efforts a month, but 140 for speed. It would work perfect for weighting because that's where it came from.
1: So what do you say to those coaches who say technique and speed are more important than strength? That's it. If you have technique, if you have speed, that's all you need.
0: I would say load up the world record in your lifter's particular weight class, take 20K off and show me your technique. Most people can't buzz the barbell off the ground. There's two reasons for this. Um, One... In America, they can't squat. All right, they are terrible squatters. The Olympic lifters are terrible squatters, and they lack low back strength. How do I know this? Because Tom, as you well know, we tried to bring lifters here, and we asked them what their faults are. They can't squat. They have if they clean 380, they can only front, front squat 400. Um, you know, if you look at Nam Suleiman years ago, he had at 132, he had a 528 front squat. He had a 435 clean. Do the math. Uh, the chinese 154 world champion when he was doing a 457 clean and jerk he had a 573 front squat just do the math folks you have to have this over abundance of strength to stand up at the weights because not only once you clean the thing you have to stand up but then you have to jerk it you need a reserve of leg strength to jerk the weights over your head you know the most common errors is is a uh, um, misdirection you know you're going to fall forward or backwards in the jerk or incompletion extension of the back this this tells me two things they have a weak torso why they can't hold the weights overhead and and then with the unextension, extension of course they have weak back muscles and the snatch is the same thing not working the legs during the thrust or unable to recover in the in the clean and jerk and so again we get right back to leg strength they lack leg strength and you see it here all the time tom mm-hmm. uh well, we'll get into accommodating resistance as you've witnessed over and over with the results we've had. But next question, please.
1: I um, believe uh, I'm just going through um, online here. Mm. It's, um, it was a long time ago, probably 2006. You wrote an article for Mike Berninger. And it said, what if I were an Olympic coach? You remember that? And I'm just looking through all the comments left on it, which are some are horrendous, how little people know. But um, I just like to go into that. First of all, did uh, Mike Berger ever come here, or did you ever talk to him? Uh,
0: uh, actually, uh, I talked. I've never met Mike in person. I talked to him over the phone for years, but I hadn't heard from Mike for about six years, and he. Um, Casey's one son but his other son went to John Wellborn's gym in California and I know Mike uh, Mike called me on the phone and I guess I can say this in public because Mike called me and said he wanted to apologize and I had no idea why I hadn't heard from Mike in five or six years and he goes his son went to John Wellborn's and he was going to use uh, chain or uh, uh, bands on the bar and do the Olympic lifts and everything else And he said you're wasting your time so when he went there in a period of two months, he put 15k on his snatch and his clean jerk. When he came back and his son told him that, he called me and apologized. And I, I need no apology, but I don't understand why anyone can't understand the law of accom of accommodation. I mean, a law of if you do something over and over and over, you're going to get worse at. But you have to use accommodating resistance. Barbells had tremendous deceleration. Is Louis Simmons saying this? You're damn right, I am. But in 1967, Dr. Medvedev said the very same thing. He said you must use bands or cords on the bar.
1: And um, how would you set up the bands? Or if someone's going to do cleans or snatches, how would you? How much tension do you think they need? I know that a lot of people get that wrong, and a lot of people's the vision of how they attach bands is incorrect.
0: Yeah, you know we've had, people come here. I don't recall you know the name of the, the guys that came here, and and I actually had them work up in the clean uh, barbell, shrugs. <clears throat> barbell shrugs. They were disbelievers, so I had them do it themselves and break the record on the spot. We just had a I had a fella come up from Auburn University. He was a ex-quarterback, six five, two 250 pounds. Best clean three forty for six months. Hadn't done any more. I worked him up at 275 with 25% band tension on a bar approximately. Then we took the bands off, and he smoked 365. Uh, The player came up the other day, a hockey player. His best clean was 275. I said, give me 20 minutes. I'll break your record. Couldn't bust bust his record. In 20 minutes, we worked him up to uh, 205 pounds with 25% band tension. On top of that, took off the bands. He worked up, and he made 280, a record. This goes on and on and on and on. I, am, I will never say can't. I will say, how can I?
2: So why, why do you think people, you know, the first time uh, they try to clean with uh, accumulating resistance, they get, you know, these amazing results, you know, having the, the, their PRs?
0: It's easy to see, um, Flavio. You know, the other day, a high rank, a coach, a throw coach from D1 school was here and, and never realized that she had incompletion pulls at the back. When you use bands, you have to constantly pull. That when you the bulls keep the bands will pull you backwards the entire time. Okay. Bands do a lot of things. You know, one of the major things the guys fastest underneath the bar in the lowest position is going to be your best weightlifter if they can recover from the squat. You have to jump under the bar very fast because the bands are pulling the barbell back down. Uh, You know, I've done experiments, uh, this is on a squat, but Matt Smith, I had a couch Professor Dr. Akita do an experiment, and Matt's box squat, parallel box squat at 550 pounds, for three singles, singles, he averaged nine-tenths on the eccentric and nine-tenths on the concentric. We took weight off, added band tension. When Matt stood up, it, was, it rested 750 pounds with band with band shrinkage setting on the box at zero velocity. It rested the, right the original 550. He did it in the 5.4 and 5.7 tenths of a second. We moved 200 pounds, three tenths faster over the same distance. Um, Please, folks, when I ask, you know, people, if they call and ask me what book to buy first, how about a basic physics book? Let's look at the um, physics, the law of motion, Newton's laws of motion. Let's look at how to increase kinetic energy. You know, one thing weightlifters desperately need here, they never lower weight. They drop it, they squat, they drop the weight. They clean, they drop the weight. Overseas, the Russians would do um, eccentric squatting, slow eccentrics. I don't believe it in my sport, but for weightlifters, yes, because they can't lower weights. What does Fang say, Tom, about the squat? You don't drop down in a squat, you lower yourself, you pause and you come up. Exactly how we squat.
1: And I think that's a very important thing to talk about, is that online there's such a huge... Arsenal of information there if people want it for free and I got you a lot of articles on that but if you could explain to those what you've read and how the Chinese train it's again it's there's two ways to train incorrectly and correctly and they seem to do a lot in strength and they build up they build up the weak muscles.
0: Exactly. I don't like the word, but at the end of every workout, they do what they call two bodybuilding exercises. I would prefer to call it hyperpathy. Um, we work, uh, you know, uh, we, we do a tremendous amount of hamstring, lower back, hip, and glute work here, as you well know, Tom. Abs, Olympic lifters, we'd be power pow driving the, the upper back. We have a spatial rail to do high pulls on, a sensation that all Olympic lifters should have and none have. So um, that's the key muscles. you got to do all the work. Only 20% of our training. L- listen, folks, if you read the management of the training of the weightlifter, it clearly states that after you reach an elite level, you have to do a minimum of 50% spatial exercise. And then Jan Talch years ago was a famous weightlifter from Russia. I watched him. He's He was 90K world champ. He came over here in 1970 to Columbus, Ohio, and competed against Bob Banarski in the 242s. There was no 100-kilo class. He weighed 228 pounds, and he beat Bob. uh, By my readings on Tolts, he only did the Olympic list 10%. 90% 90% of his training was spatial exercise. Now, you know, you go to a gym and you hear the old thing, and even in my sport, powerlifting, if you want to be good at squat bench and deadlift, you got squat bench and deadlift. Olympic lifters practice a clean jerk and stance repeatedly. Well, and if you read a book called The Science of Practice Strength Training by Zasas Zorski, that's basically the definition of accommodation, the law of accommodation. If you do something over and over and over, you actually become worse at it. And so, so what's, what's my answer? How do I perfect technique? You have to do it through special exercises. Uh, Flavio, you mentioned a minute ago, but but Medvedev had 75 to 100 weightlifting programs. Why do people here in America have three or four? It makes no sense to me. We have, Tom, we have hundreds. Do we not? Combinations of bands, change heights, stances, all this. We have literally hundreds. So we use all these things. But you you got to constantly change the stimulus. If you do the same lifts over and over, you're going to fail. And if you don't believe me, look at the records of American weightlifting for the last 40 years. That's exactly what they do. So you may ask, how how can I avoid that? You do it through spatial pulls and spatial squats and spatial low back and hamstring exercises because spatial and general exercise has no ill effect on technique, coordination, timing. But once you wear out doing classical, Tommy, mean you box. And all of a sudden, my arms get tired, and I drop my hands. My face ain't going to feel too good, is it? No, exactly. No. So you have to prepare yourself through general and special exercise. The classical lifts will not work. You have to eliminate them to the most part. And listen, I've had a lot of football players. I have given Don't do an Olympic lifts for six months. They laid off six months, got strong, and they broke their records first time out. Um, you, you, Tommy, you, you showed me a Russian on TV. A strong man does everything. His best snatch was 419. He hadn't done a snatch in two and a half years and he goes into stats 423. Yeah. Now that's an extreme case and I would never say that. My program twice a week they would be well they would be doing speed they would be doing on the average I would start light with American weightlifters they do 6 triples in the snatch, and six in the clean of some variation. It could be clean jerk. It could be a full clean and a stand-up and a jerk. It could be a power snatch or whatever, a close-grip snatch, stand on a box. But there's where they build their technique. Then I concentrate the other days on uh, strength training.
1: Would you follow the, the same, <coughs> a similar template to what we do? We have two max efforts, two speed days. Um, but the max effort, there's just a, a different variety of lifts to choose from. And then on speed days, would you have different squats from back squat to front squat? And instead of deadlifts, you could put in a different type of clean with bands? How how would you... If you're going to do one week of Olympic lifting training. How would you do?
0: That's what I'm talking about, Tom. Um, you know, I would run a three week wave. Let's say you do a, a true power clean and we'll say a power clean, a jerk for six triples. All right. After three weeks, you might do a, um, you might do hand cleans. And when I talk about hand cleans, I mean, you hold the bar down there for three or four seconds, take the stretch reflex away and do it. That's why the Russians and the, and the Chinese mostly pull up boxes, no stretch reflex. There is none in weightlifting guys. So, um, but there are just many, many variations like that. Every, Every three weeks I would switch just like we do here Tommy you notice we uh, we go up five percent for three weeks and and then on the fourth week we change and change a bar by every time I change a barbell in the squat for instance I've changed the length of our spine so it's a new learning t- it's a new learning trial the same thing with weightlifting you know we did close grip snatches like like uh, Flavio, you mentioned I, I believe in my book I've got 75 weightlifting programs are over that and you have to have why? Because think about this, folks. If I told you go out in the parking lot and got a million dollars underneath a rock, you'd run out the door, pick up a rock. If you didn't find a mill, you'd pick up every rock till you did. A lot of people cannot survive. Only the true model athletes can survive doing the classical lifts. If you read about Nam Suleiman's training and not listen to some joker that will tell you they never did anything but clean jerk and snatch, 35 uh, percent of their training was spatial exercise, not the classical lifts. It cannot be done. Yes.
2: Um. Louis, I just want to refer back just one second uh, regarding accommodating resistance. So uh, anytime I see a weightlifter coming at Westside Barbell, you put them through uh, the power clean uh, with bands, Uh, they struggle. But what do I see the most? Uh, They struggle because uh, they are too slow and they're not explosive. Um, So uh, why do you think they're not explosive? And also, uh, when do you ask these people, do you ever jump in your training? And the answer is no. Why is important, is important plyometrics and jumping?
0: All right, you may have to help me, but n- yes, number one, they never jump. They never heard of jumping. You have to jump. We recommend 40 jumps twice a week here. Secondly, you're absolutely right. They all think they're exposed to what put bands in a bar. Slow the thing down, they can't do it. They And this is why. Uh, read a program, a weightlifting program. I mean, I had a big book. It gave me the size of a phone book, and the entire book, it maxed out one time. Max effort is the greatest method of strength training. We do it all the time. At, at a rate of it's a private gym. We have maybe what 16, 18 lifters, all, profa- all pro, all pro-level. Um, and they break their record every Wednesday or Monday at over a 90% pace. That's why we're so strong, and that's why we beat everybody. Because we might we could get a new record every in a special exercise. We don't do any regular deadlifts zero. Yeah, we've got the greatest five five deadlift um, average in the world, 890. We all box squat. We don't do any squats. But I've got the greatest male, female squatter of all time, 1210 at 271. And the female did 775 at 165. And he took the best squat for Chuck Vogelpool in my gym years ago at 1180 at 264 so again is this a system or or a coincidence i believe it's not it's it's a system it's it's no secret to it folks it's a system it's exactly like the, the russians and the bulgarians they they had a system uh the bulgarians i didn't like i had a bulgarian weightlifting olympic team doctor here and I ask him about the training, and I know it was very successful. And if I had 100 people run through my door every month, I may do the same thing at the expense of the lifters. But many, many more failed than succeeded. You know, let's face it. Over here, you want to have fun. You want you don't want to do it for a year or two. You want to do it for years. So the best way to train is the is Soviet way. Use the consciousness of constantly developing yourself to be a greater weightlifter.
1: Oh, what I've noticed, I'm touching upon the, the way kids come in the most eccentric of people seem to perform the most crazy of things. I mean, the, the most ridiculous lifts get weighted by the most eccentric of people. Do you think a big problem with weightlifting, the way it is, as we said, it's so boring that if you're eccentric and you're extremely extroverted, that this training is just too boring for that to keep them in that
0: sport? Well, they're actually, yes, if you're extroverted, yeah. and extroverted people are more explosive. Uh, one t- I want you to come back to me on time of that. But you're right, Flavio. Why do these Olympic whalers think they're so explosive the committee have no explosive power? Because they are weak and they don't jump and they're weak. But what happens when I take the bands off and I start it back with the weights in the same workout? They break their record oh, yeah. and they are astounded. And I had a fellow command, Tom, remember the coffee guy? Uh, Coffee for kilos. Dude. Coffee for kilos. Four hundred pound clean. I said, "Well, good. Come on in." So I tell the guy, I "says Here's what's going. Here's here's what I've seen." I said, "All the weightlifters come here. I will break. I will have them work up a bench Take it off. They will break their clean record inside of one half hour." Unfortunately, many times I'm catching the bottom and he can't stand up. So what's he do? His best was 400. He cleans 415. Can't stand up. And he comes over to me and says, "You must be a mind reader." I'm not a mind reader. It's simple to see that Olympic weightlifters have a terrible squat, and 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 their w- or lower backs are very weak. That's why they fail. And um, you know, it's commonly prescribed that if you clean and jerk so much, you squat so much. This is wrong. If you constantly push the squat up, the cleans will follow. It's basically when you're more athletically built, like weightlifters, thin uh, people. If the and when your squats go up, the cleans go. Right with it, so they're making a big mistake in their loading. and Have no idea what they're doing. I've talked about doing what an inverse curl is. Uh, they've never seen a bell squat. I mean, this is this uh, this just flabbergasts me. Um, you know, if you look at one of the old Russian weightlifting books, now you see this, Flavio. You know, you're here from Italy, but you see us doing it. We do lots of pulls inside our bell squat machine have a belt around. Us. Absolutely, it's exactly what the Russians did for the clean and jerks. And the snatches, I don't understand. They don't know their own system. Like you were talking about, Tom. Get on the freaking computer, quit looking at porn, and look how the Chinese and the Russians train and follow it.
1: Or go pick up a book from 1970, and then you'll have all the information. Like, uh, to me, managing the training of the weightlifters, one of the most important thing in that book is a Prelepin's chart. Yes. And that came from weightlifters, and that is how we, we control how much uh, sets and reps <clears> we do. And they can't follow that, even though we can... We, powerlifting, MMA, track and field, all these sports, we take that and we put it into the sport and it works.
0: How did How did I take the training of basically Bert Fashansky in track and field and the weightlifting of Medvedev and all their other fine coaches in weightlifting and apply it to my sport, powerlifting, and then learn to dominate? Um you're exactly right there's two ways to train like you said before the right way and the wrong way i i learned the soviet system i've done it now for 34 years and you know what you got to find the right way but it's never truly the right way you must perfect it and perfect it and perfect it and that's what we do um you know the first time uh, again tom you brought up about introverts and extroverts that's what i'm talking about the selection of weightlifters you just can't get a bum off the street man you need to select some kids if, if kids come in here if i brought 20 kids in i'm going to take 10 i'm going to take right off the bat if i could do one thing plavi you said it i would have him jump the ones who could jump the highest i'm going to take that kid then i'll work on his strength he has to be able to jump and um you know yuri, yuri bardanian had a 12 foot standing long jump so all you guys listen to this podcast and hate me go do a standing long jump and call me and let me know what you did and uh, by the way, Yuri was a weightlifter and broke several records. David Riggard, I believe, broke 57 world records, you know, in the 90 and 100K class. Squatted 675 for 10 reps. I mean, I read this in one of your magazines. So.
1: When was the last. Was Joe Doobie the
0: last. Re- Joe Doobie, as far as I know, was the last American to break a bona fide world record in 1969. He did
1: it in a snatch. Um, I mean, on that, I know it's going off topic a little bit, but goddamn, Paul Anderson. Look at all the stuff he did and what he could do. In uh, Olympic lifting, he did everything else to get strong all over.
0: Uh, Paul Anderson didn't write a whole lot about himself. He's always wrote about, but Paul said that um, if I do these heavy squats and pulls and supports, how hard can weightlifting be? He's absolutely right. You have to have a, as immense lifts. You had to become very, very strong. Just you know, look at the the strongman time that you show me sometimes. These guys can they can deadlift nine hundred. They can you know they can squat nine hundred. Uh, they clean and jerk five fifty. And I mean, there's nothing they can't do
1: and there's a huge common denominator from <coughs> what I read with all these old time strongmen is GPP they have a huge base mm. a lot of them like George Hackett they um, gymnastics mm. wrestling a lot of them worked on the farm they come from poor areas where they got to do manual <laughs> labour but it's GPP
0: that's a good case. If you go back to when the Bulgarians ruled back in the, around in the 80s, basically 88 and so forth, <clears throat> Nam Suleiman and so forth, almost all their lifters came from the same region. They were poor and they were manual laborers. They worked hard. And so the easiest way to get out of working hard is to go to a weightlifting camp. You know, uh, Nam was 10 years old. When he went to the Bulgarians, and they, you had to be 13 at the time to get in. Well, they saw him, and they decided to let him in. They doubled the, the, fa- the, um, the financial money for the weightlifting team because of him. And there's one system there. It's too rigid, Tom. The junior team and the senior team trained together in the same place under the same coach. As you all know here, um, you know, there's one thing about technique. You have to work on technique, but don't change style. If you got your style, we had to work on your style. If you're strong in some things, but oh, what do we do here, Tom? You see it all the time, and you handle the fighters and a lot of athletes. You bring in we it's morning, Flavio. We had a track coach here, um, and and with no glutes or hamstrings. So right away, uh, that's what we work on. We're not going to work on any full list. It will not work until we bring up your glutes and hamstrings. Absolutely. Uh, inverse curls. We live on inverse curls. For instance. Uh, reverse hypers if a person actually even only squats 400 they need to do roughly 20,000 pounds of reverse hypers for low back um, hips and glutes now Tom the other day when Liberty University visited what did Bill Gillespie say when he was in New Orleans and one of my machines is there they tested with the Romanian deadlift um emg um the romanian deadlift versus reverse hyper the reverse hyper uh managed to produce twice the impulse in the low back and hamstring and it is restoration it traction out the back so i mean to me romanian deadlift is a joke compared to what we do it's literally a joke
1: um lou the the big the big topic here and. Um, From all the Olympic lifters I've talked to who went to a lot of Olympic lifting coaches' courses and training courses, and they teach other people, a big philosophy over here is the reason why America does not do good in Olympic lifting is because they do not take drugs. And I know it's not a topic you want to go on a whole lot about, but (laughs) I think it's absolutely ridiculous.
0: Well, if I recall, all testings on IOC, track, Hockey, women's soccer, you uh, softball, name me a sport that all American athletes don't have to have the same very rigid um protocol for drug testing. Yet we dominate all sports. Why not weightlifting? We need coaches. And um again, if I if I hurt someone's feelings, I'm sorry. But this is what I've seen coming up. I mean I had a I had a top total in the world, 1973, there was no gear. I had a, a six thirty squad at one hundred and eighty, there's no gear now. Um, the 390 bench and 670 deadlift. Um, and the guys I competed against, I started when I got out of the Army in 1970, total, first meeting is 1360, then was the 14s, moved right up. Well, I lived with guys that never got any better at all, Tom. They stayed where they were. And then later, they became, uh, bring in people to train with them, just as, as I did. I didn't have a training partner for six years. But I had six or seven people in my garage. We won the 1980 National Championship. We're all national champions. Where these guys could bring up a lifter just to an average average level but could never get him any higher because they lacked ability and they lacked training expertise. They never wanted to look outside the box. You know, if you show me one sport in America that hasn't revolutionized training, football, you know, all football, it's all changing. Now, you never had quarterbacks running around. Now you got quarterbacks running around. Everything changes. So if you don't change, if you do the same thing for 40 years, how can you expect any different results? Um, One thing I don't know, you know, I'm the head coach here, right, Tom? I'm the head coach. Do I run in and tell everybody what to do? Do I lay out their programs? They learn their programs. If they can add, they can do the program. It's all based on mathematics and then technique is physics and biomedical mechanics so we work on that um all i do is suggest you these things you you everyone every time i go well my coach said this and my coach said that well your coach probably sucks i don't know how he's going to help you but the key is you don't need a coach once you learn this simple sport you need training partners and everybody goes it's a very complicated sport then why have i seen eight-year-old girls being able to do full snatches? how freaking hard can it be i agree in technique because tommy we work with fighters and if i didn't know who he was i'd try to kick her ass at 68 but then i see him fight because he got tremendous fighting technique but if you met him on the street and i didn't know how to fight i could probably beat beat a lot of them up um but i'm all about technique but listen guys i talked to a top coach in america one time said what do you do during the week got to this one day we work on technique well wait a minute when you're overseas, you learn the first thing you do is learn technique. You don't ever go back to technique. You work, you, you work on mastering it, but you don't have a technique day. You're wasting your time. Now, I remember it all started going south in 1972 when they abolished the press in America. I'd go to Ohio State, and I'd watch Olympic weightlifters. they are snatch your broomsticks. i go, what the hell are you doing? Oh, you understand, dude. Go to work on technique. Blah, 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 blah. Well, where's it got them? We're just as good in 1972 as we are in 2015. Things have to change, guys. That's all there is to it. You need a squat. You need a special program to build a squat. You know. You know, Tom. Um, that's why I I, made, I wrote a weightlifting book. I, why did I write? I mean, I I love the sport of weightlifting. I I absolutely feel bad for the athletes. I went to my I, I I Olympic lifted when I was a kid. I mean, at fourteen in a contest. I cleaned your two hundred and sixty at a high school contest at one hundred and forty pounds. I loved the uh, weightlifting. I didn't know anything else as early. You're talking this is uh, well, nineteen sixty-two and nineteen sixty-six. As uh, after I graduated from high school, I was immediately going to going in the army. I was being drafted. So in Dayton, Ohio, I went to power meet. Larry Pacifico, Vinceneto, Melton McKinney, and George Crawford's there. I didn't know who these guys was, but I never seen one built like these people. These guys were freaking monsters they all became ipf world champions when the world champion uh lifting started organized in 1972 Uh, by by way bob hobbin who's the father of modern weightlifting um but when i lifted in that meet i'd always got first second third run around ohio and and neighborhooding states and but i lifted that meet i got 10th place out of 11 i beat a 55 year old man and that's when i switched but i realized way back they just lacked power they lacked power then. Uh, in 1970, uh, my friend Jimmy Bench was the national champion of 148s in Olympic weightlifting. Um, he was competing against uh, Walmart Bazanowski, the famous Polish 148. I went up to up to high State and watched him train, and I watched uh, Bazanowski at 148 on a, on a, on a, uh, a um, back extension bench to 220 pounds, 100K, for five freaking reps. Jimmy couldn't do 135. I saw right. Away why? Why uh, the difference? What, the difference. What? What was it? A three thirty-six clean and jerk and a three eighty-six clean and jerk. That's the difference.
2: Uh, um, I want to bring up another topic. Um, Reading the program of multi-year training uh, and weightlifting, uh, written by Medvedev, uh, there was a, in the introduction there was a, a phrase by Ermano Pignatti. For those who don't know, Ermano Pignatti was a famous uh, Italian weightlifter who competed in 1952 and 1956 Olympics in uh, weightlifting. And what he says. Everyone talks about the Bulgarian system and uh, how many world champions come out from it, Uh, but no one sees uh, uh, the numerous uh, numbers of lifters that end up going to the hospital because of it. Um, So, uh, in relation to this, uh, Louis, can you just explain the two differences between your system and the Bulgarian system, and and basically... The Chinese. Yeah, the, the Bulgarian
0: The Chinese system is based off the old Soviet system, and so is mine. So there's three common systems, and they all excel. The Bulgarian system, again, brought in model athletes. They just repeatedly did the same thing. The training was extreme, sometimes three workouts in one day. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My training, is, and Russian training, is based off an all-time record lift so we we base our percents off that till we go to the contest and break a record then of course we readjust but the percents will always be the same but the numbers will change where they went in and every day i I watched the film the kid walks up and asks the coach coach i missed a 363 clean what do i do and the coach doesn't even look up he says he's riding he keeps riding says don't worry tomorrow you do 369 that was their theory. And uh, I've watched training tapes, and these people are absolutely traumatized. They, these are 20, 18, 19, 18, 20, 21-year-old kids walk around like they're traumatized because of the training. And they just did the same thing repeatedly over and over and over. That's why they basically make one Olympics and not three. That's also why injuries, again, the law of accommodation. You know, you, you know what happens? What I've seen in Olympic weightlifting is they basically get very, very good at something, and he get very, very bad at other things. I had a top weightlifter here, and Tom, Hype, you may have been here. I'm not going to bring up his name. He couldn't jump, he his... Couldn't jump off his knees onto his feet. I am totally amazed. We've had people jump off their knees onto a 34 inch box. What the hell? You're very good at some things and very bad at other things. You need to be, the more things you can excel at, the greater lifter you will be. You know, and you you got to learn how to train coaches. You know, in my opinion, training is like fighting. A good fighter throws punches and combinations. He doesn't throw one punch at a time. You have to learn to, f- to do things in combinations. And everybody con's box squats, but why is the greatest? The first 800-pound squat was a box squatter, Pat Casey. First 1,000-pound squatter was a box squatter. Um, 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 David Wannington, uh, right here in Ohio. Um, all of our people are box squatters so I would use the box squat to build up a regular squat because that's exactly what we do we go to contests we gotta do regular squats and Flavio you've seen it we don't occasionally like you said maybe twice a year do a full squat they have just to break the boredom means nothing because we gotta be judged by death so who cares what you do in the gym anyhow but if we break a box squat on a certain box we know we're stronger but when you go down there you break up the eccentric concentric chain Weightlifters try to bounce out of the bottom repeatedly uh, many times you have to readjust down there and then they're basically stay stuck. Um, you know, a lot of things. Like again, you don't have heroes. If we could just boost a couple American weightlifters so you have a hero. Who wants to who of any um ability wants to do a sport with no heroes? You know, kids watch LeBron James. What do you want to do? Do you want to play uh um, you know, basketball They watch, um, you know, the top football players Maybe Rothenberger They want to be a quarterback Everybody, you know, the hockey They always want to be a, a top hockey player Top rugby player Top fighters Triple G It goes on and on and on You know, um, all the MMA fighters Everybody looks up They all got their greats but where's your great weightlifters? And and, and I got on um, My Little Magazine one time because I said, can you please put someone on the cover with the name of George or Joe or something? Why does it got to be Ivan or, or Valerie? How come you can't put an American on there? How are you going to drag more lifters in if they don't have heroes or somebody to look up to? You need to do that. It's a psychological. It's a psycholo- everything, is. it all starts in the head, 90% in the head.
1: Just before we go on, back to the box squat. A big thing that I, that we see here, we get videos, people say box squats don't work. Well, first of all, you're not doing them right. The amount of videos we see, and a lot from Olympic lifters, they'll touch and go. It's supposed to be an imperfect collision where you lose some energy into the box and it makes it harder. You don't go down as fast as you can, absolutely ram your ass right in that box, jam up your back and try to come back up. That's not how a box squat is done. That's how you get injured. We do them correctly here, that's why... They work, everyone that we know that does good knows how to box squat correctly. The things are in the the little details and the little details is correct technique and how to do a box squat.
0: You also notice time they come here, they got their feet a foot apart. Mm-hmm. And they go, Why don't you take your feet out? Well we don't squat that way. Well if you when you don't squat wide, you're not using part a lot of your glute, hamstrings, and hip muscles. You know, if you got all these muscles, there's six hundred and forty muscles in the body or so. You need to use them all. If you keep using the same stance, some muscles get very strong. Quads. quads, yeah, and the quads are hardly do anything, of these huge quads, no ass. When they squat down like that, Olympic style, yes you had to do it for the clean and the stance to catch the weight. But but you roll your buttocks towards your ankles, you take the pressure off the hamstrings and glutes. How do we know? Because when we put them on an inverse curl, they can't do any, anything at all. They have no hamstring or glute string. Um,
2: Louis, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the Russian system uh, has uh, around 600 lifts per year. The Bulgarian system has around 4,000 lifts a year. And your system is a combination of the Russian and the Chinese. And one of the things... Uh, I learned from you, is uh, train optimally. Um, could you talk about, you know,
0: this? Well, what you're referring to, Flavio, is maximum lists a year. Maximum. And I went through this a moment ago about every day. See, they would do maybe 18 maximum lists. It was based on, a, on, a, the, on that day's strength. The Russians, if, they, if you had a, a, a 210K clean and you didn't break that record, then you didn't get, there wasn't a, a new record. That's why theirs looked like ours, you know, about 600 a year versus 4,000
1: i like to go back to one thing. We talk about technique. Technique, technique, that's Mm -hmm. all they talk about. Yeah. However, do they understand that there's some things the body can't learn if you get above the age of 10 years old, Mm -hmm. that that's why it's so important? And if technique is the be-all and end-all, well, the best equalizer in the world is absolute strength. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people forget. And what did you say? The Chinese say, without strength, there is nothing.
0: Without strength, there is nothing. The Chinese said that decades ago. Uh, and you're right, Tom, in any sport, what's a wrestler tell you? You know, he's got, if he gets beat, the equal technique, I'll be stronger. Judo, Jiu Jitsu, we work with all these kind of guys. Um, you know, no matter what the sport is, you, we, just, we just sent a guy that was cuffing the Giants, came here, we trained him. He went down, he said he dominated. He we put 15 pounds on him, way stronger, and he said he dominated and in this game he just played, some, some type of special all star game for the, um, the, you know, the, the guys to come check him out.
1: And uh, another thing, I want to let everybody know, Louis is probably one of the biggest and avid followers of Olympic lifting there is, and we have tried. We have offered lifters to come down here. If we put them up in a hotel, they wouldn't come. We paid their way to come here, they won't come. Our doors are open 24-7, 365 days a year for a top-quality Olympic lifter come here, and yet no one. How many have we got come through the door? Not one.
0: None. You know, Tommy, it's a funny thing because I used to work with uh, you know, some pro football teams, three of them, the Browns, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Green Bay Packers. And I went there. They gave me forty players. Now everybody knows what these guys make. You're probably working. You're probably talking two hundred million dollar annual salary. They had no problem giving me these guys. I worked with Kevin Randleman, UFC heavy champ, heavyweight champion, UFC. Kevin had no problem letting me tell him what to do. Um, I worked at two Olympic gold medal sprinters, and uh, Butch Reynolds and and a female Mo Robinson. They had no problem giving me these guys. So the only thing I know, Olympic lifters are made out of some type of alloy that is actually priceless, and they won't give me one. Um, you know, so uh, it's a funny thing. And I actually don't want them. I want the coaches to come here. Just balls up, coaches. You know, you got something to say to me. Come on over and say it to my face. And come on here. I'm going to show you, put you through some workouts. Now, Flavio, you, you're you back here again for a second visit. And when you were here before, you saw a weightlifter train here. I took them through just a normal program. I trained. Tommy, you said it. What's my middle name? Optimal. Mm-hmm. I don't try to kill anybody. Trained here for three or four weeks, goes back to California, then comes back. I said, what'd you do when you were there? Zero. Had to take three weeks off because the, the training killed him. I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. You didn't do anything. I mean, what they do is a joke to what we do. Uh, my heavyweights would handle, you always talk about tonnage. I'll bring in something else up. I talk about it in my book, which is essential. But our heavyweights, our super heavyweights will we handle about 150,000 pounds of work, in one workout for the squatter dead. and, and 90% well uh probably a hundred thousand or well over is a thousand pound squatter do 12,000 pounds of squats but they'll do 60,000 reverse hyper 60,000 pounds and as you well know tom i don't know how you calculate the bell squat but it's probably equally as much all glutes hamstrings and hips um years ago um uh, Zabotinsky uh, you know 60-64 Olympic champion um, was just killing everybody and all of a sudden he wasn't making any progress they couldn't understand why he had no injuries no no mental problems you know not, everything was fine at home so they got in his log and he found out that, he, that the average weight he was lifting had gone down a few percents and the volume had dropped they pushed it back to where it was he would resume breaking records um, and this is the top guy in the world you have to raise volume and you have to do it the way we prescribe through spatial exercise you cannot do it in the clean jerker snatch because form will break down and then you're dead in the water you have to, yes you have to do lots of pulls but you need lots of back raises if you look at these russians uh mid backs for instance they did it by doing inverse back raises Alexis did 325 pounds um you know now my brain works like this and um um, the practice of science and strength training. They've got charts in there of, of Alexis's uh, inverse back raises. So, when I saw that, I said, gee, that must be really important. So, that's what I investigated. Everybody looks at something, most people look at that and they turn the page. They're in there for a reason, folks. Follow these guidelines. That's what I did in all these books I have. Uh, and the and the results speak for themselves. Uh, and it's from Olympic weightlifting that I applied to powerlifting and, and track appeal.
2: Um, One of the methods you use is uh, the repetitive method. Uh, Do you think repetitive methods is very useful for weightlifters? Uh, A little bit of hypertrophy, work?
0: Well, Flav, as you well know, I prefer to do this one X muscle in a group. Inverse curl, reverse hyper, back raise um tom you see us do we do no less than 200 leg curls a day uh, no less with bands um the same thing for our, you know triceps the, like the chinese they do two bodybuilding exercises so you can do high rep dips or high rep triceps or some type of, of rows you need to do rowing uh, you need to have an enormously strong stomach including the obliques so i know when guys come in here are so underdeveloped it's just really pathetic and they're always introverted You've got to get, uh, normal people will give you normal results. I've never had a normal person become a world record holder here. They are all out to lunch. They're crazy. One way or the other. But those are the ones that give you the high results. You know, you ever go to a racehorse, uh, watch top racehorses, the, the top horses, they normally got to have to have a dog or something in the stall where they keep them calm. They want to race. All they want to do is go, 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 go. I have a track girl like this right now. You guys, all we can do to keep her calm down, keep her calm down. And you need extroverted people that want to go. So.
1: And that brings up a point on coaching. You got to coach the athlete to who they are, yes. not to who you are.
0: Right. Yeah. You got if a, if a athlete is extroverted and they're crazy and they're pushing around, punching stuff, you punch them back. Uh, if they're very quiet, you can't get up and yell out, "Come on, let's go," because it's not going to work. I've had the craziest people here in the world. And uh, I mean, and then I've had to calm people here in the world. Uh, It doesn't matter, but you got to treat them like that. Eddie Cohn's one of the strongest human beings I've ever seen. Eddie's very quiet. Mike Bridges now, on the other hand, although he was mostly quiet, he told me that he did whatever popped in his head. Um, He went to metaphysics teacher, as I did, for 10 years. And so whatever Mike just popped in his head he did if he said he wanted to scream he screamed if he didn't he didn't do it because it ain't gonna do no good but you can't olympic lift like your cat just got killed walking up to the bar i watched these tapes and i watched a guy taking a record and then his training partners sat down picking their nose he wouldn't even know the guy's taking weight. Let's get this, let's get this crap going. And another reason, uh, Flavio, you've seen it, and uh, you asked me about this, and say, why do they fail when they get close to new records? They never, you know, without using bands, because they're used to only lifting 85 or 90%. When I put five extra percent, they don't know what to do with it. They just keep putting out, they exert the same force. You know, with 60, i got 85, 70, 85, 80, 85, 85, 85. But if I put 92 on, they exert 85, and they fail. Absolutely. Max effort is the key, it's the most greatest method for muscle recruitment and frequency of firing. You have to do this. And, again, each week we switch exercises just like Medvedev did.
1: And that's science. That's not you talking. That's in books. That's a big thing. This is backed up by science.
0: Yeah, yeah. you could come up all the programs you want, but I came up the max effort method, the dynamic method, lifting that is lifting submaximal weights to maximum force and speed, and then a the repetition method to failure. We like we prefer to go near failure, so we can do multiple sets for the hamstrings, um, you know, traps, or whatever you want to train. That's how you do it. Um, you know, you, you, folks, you ever think about this? If you look at a clean jerk, and let's call it two poles, you got, you've got the first thing, the second pole, you know, the rest of called the explosion. Then you got a, a, a full front squat and then a jerk, but whatever you were weakest in, that's where you're stuck. you might clean 500 and stand up and only jerk 350 you got a 350 clean jerk you might be able to jerk 500 but if you can only clean 350 and stand up you got a 350 clean jerk so that's why you you cannot think that all elements of this lift is going to go up simultaneously it's not going to happen you may have to push a big squat a big pole And a big jerk, you know. Um, We've had tremendous success sitting on a high box about the uh, angle that people would jerk from, sitting down, relaxing, and doing push jerks off sitting on a high box. Also, one of the exercises that we do that the George did, we do jerks out of a rack. So there's um, the barbell setting on pins, and they had to jerk it from there. It causes you to use legs. Remember what I said, one of the major reasons is insufficient leg drive. It teaches you to do these things. You just can't run through this freaking same program week after week and expect to get different results because it's not <laughs> you're getting the same results. And the only reason I took time, and Tom, it probably took a year to put this book together. We're going to have numerous pictures. Um, is because I love American weightlifting. I love America. I want to. I'm I'm sick of not seeing us get to uh, on the medals, you know, platform. We have to be able to get a medal. We gotta be able to someday raise our heads. No, no one wants I mean the piloting we dominate. How can we dominate? How much money do we give to the National uh, Federation Committee? Oh, let me see. Oh, I forgot. Zero. So what are you doing with the money? You know? I mean, why do Tommy? You know, another thing that, that it really aggravates me, I said, uh, you got a glute ham? Oh, no. You got a, a reverse hyper? Uh-uh. You got a bell squat? No. You got a plow swing? No. You didn't have plow boxes? Oh, no, I'm afraid not. You're not going to the county fair, guys. You're trying to get to the Olympics. You're going to have to spend a few freaking bucks. I've had top coaches come here, and I had to give them a Hyper. And that, that pissed me off right away. I thought, uh, you know, I don't want to get too crazy on the yeah. podcast here. But I'm going, I had to give you a reverse hyper. Then he gave it away. Yeah. What was ridiculous? We live on these exercises. Tom, you know as well as me. Um, if we need something, what do we do? We go get it. Or we make if it, we right? have a problem, we solve it. We don't go be bitches and just get beat over and over. We're not going to be beat. Never am I going to get beat. I'm going to find a new way, and I've got a, a program coming out. It's called the Static Dynamic Developers. I have five machines go revolutionized revolutionize strength training. I got all the money you got in your pocket here, Tom, that you'd be hard-pressed to find an Olympic lifter to buy one. Uh, impossible. Yes. Anyone that knows uh, Dr. Bondichalk and uh, the shot put fame and Verfish used a method called the static overcome by dynamic. They would either um, pull on a barbell that wouldn't move, then run over and lift 30% or, or 60 to 80% for explosive or speed strength, uh, uh, or they would pull on a, a squat of a, a 90%. It's called a heavy effort overcome by dynamic. They squat 90% for a couple reps and then go do 30%. Um, these, are, these methods are 45 years old. And uh, so, you you know, but I've never seen a weightlifter do it. I've never seen a weightlifter do static work. You know, the second pull, for instance, Flavio, is so explosive. How do you coach it without a camera? You can't. So how do you you coach it? You do static pulls uh, in the Hoffman method from one pin up to the second with holding against that pin so the coach can analyze your technique. But I've never seen Olympic lifters do it. Only powerlifters.
1: You know what I think a big thing is? Uh, in here you said a thing to me a long time ago and I still hold it still holds true today that no matter what you would try a hundred things just to get the one answer but we're not afraid to make fools of ourselves trying to come up with the, with, with the answer eventually it will come because all the answers are in the gym and I think people are afraid to experiment af- afraid to try to do something <laughs> will it work won't it work you gotta try it you can't just do the theory you gotta execute it cross it off the list keep going until you find a solution
0: Right. That's why it's best to train in small gyms uh, where there's no public. So that way, no matter what goes wrong, no one, no one's there to see you. Who cares? I never, I never mind looking stupid, because, like you said, i limited enough things to come up with things that really work, and he, and a lot of these things really work. Mm-hmm. So um, you're absolutely t- right. You, but you have to experiment. But you just can't, you can't do the same thing you've been doing for 45 years and think you're going to get some kind of different result. That's- Got any more, uh, Flavio?
2: Um, well, I notice um, when you get athletes here for the first time, one of the things they struggle at is the density of the training session uh, because they spend too much time in the gym, too much rest time between sets. Um, why do you think it's not optimal uh, training in a gym
0: for two or two and a half hours every day? <laughs> Uh, you're right. They come here they can't train, like you said. They won't take long rest periods. <clears throat> you know the Bulgarians, their main workout was done every forty five then forty five minutes. But serum testosterone drops drastically after that so you want to get in and get it over i mean run around and, and stretching tom as you well know there's never been one study approved that, that stretching does anything you're going to stretch stretch on your own t- when you're done working out not before it actually inhibits the, the lifting part so you want to do that later uh work on your mobility flexibility and stretching late in its own workout and maybe it's best to do my um, I, I did a lot of stuff with dr Siff, who wrote super training it's a lot better to do two or three sessions a day five six minutes instead of like a half hour of it too but there's also- things like hot yoga um, all types of things out there you can do so uh, always be looking for an advantage you know if it's not an advantage it's a disadvantage Um, so you always want to think like that take every advantage you can if you want to win Tom you uh, you're a big fight fan and judo gene labelle and all those guys it's nothing for an eye poke no. it's nothing to put an elbow across the throat it's nothing to put an elbow in their groin when they're standing is it you 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 want to win you want to win if if you show me a good loser um i'll show you a loser and so who wants to be losers not me oh and uh, well, that's what i in. in 45 minutes serum testosterone drops so that's why you got to train fast and, and unfortunately um Flaav, you've seen it they can't train fast They're not getting anything done. Um, You know, I've had 83 people squat at least 800 in the gym, in contests officially, 83 people. Um, So a a squat workout for us, uh, just the squats alone, after the warm-up, is 9,600 pounds. Then they do uh, upwards to 100,000 pounds of work, and this is done, as you see, in about an hour and 15 minutes. We do the most important things, the squats, the poles then we go into what we need the most um, the glute lower back glute hamstring hip work and and then it's on the abs or it could be the traps or whatever but we do the most important the biggest parts of the whatever no one's the same i uh, a guy brought me two lifters one time and um they're pretty good lifters but one these are two training partners one had a huge upper back your head no lower back the other one had a big thick lower back and your head no lower back and they train together. Well, obviously, the system worked for, it didn't work for either one of them. But how does two different people have enormous back, the other one has none, and you other had enormous lower back, the other one had none. You have to train individual. There's no such thing as how to train a weightlifter. You don't, there's no way to train a fighter. No. You've got to train them, you know, use their um, high points and then work on their weak points. If you got a good grappler, what do you work on, Tom? Stand-up, right? Mm-hmm. If you got a great stand-up guy, what do you work on? Take down defense, for instance, you know. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at, analyze what you go, what's going on here, folks. Um, and and again, what I believe, I believe uh, in my gym, if you're not a good trainer partner, what happens to you, Tom? You're gone. You got a good good training partner. You need someone to try to kick your ass every day. You always need a guy trying to catch up to you, and a guy that you're trying to catch up to him. And that way, you got this constant, everyone chasing each other's tail, and you're going to become uh, great. I've had. I, again I had many people's very very highly competitive years ago. Guys a little, the makeup of human beings obviously is different now than was 25 years ago. Uh but everyone was so competitive. There was numerous times that $200 to be on a boxer on a deadlift platform just laying there. Winner take all. Um, you run your mouth. Uh me and one guy jumped in the rack. We we challenged you to a rack contest as a team. And that's how you get places. You got to excel. But coaches and trainers alike and lifters uh, break records in the spatial exercises and the classical lifts that go up on their own.
1: Just to go back to the volume, uh, a lot of people quit because it gets too hard. It's not getting hard. You have to push yourself through the fatigue and realize that your lifts will go down for a split for a little period of time because your body's getting used to the training load. But after that... After your body somewhat accommodates, we change everything up. But your GPP will come up to the level of your strength, and then you can keep training further. That's where we see a lot of a big thing here is your is your goddamn training partners. If you want to quit here, you're gone. Like they're going to do it, they're going to make you do it, or you get out of the gym. It's one or the other, and that's the way. That's why you need training partners because you quit once you're a quitter, and quitters don't go anywhere. And that's why that's one thing about this gym. That's a huge part.
0: Ask me, Tommy, a question about volume again, but I want to bring up something. 1991, I had complete rupture of patella tendon. Uh, They hauled me to the hospital. My blood pressure is 110 over 70. No big deal to me. I got a high pain threshold. They operated on me, and I'm very allergic to anesthesia. I went back in 14 weeks later, had wires taken on me. They gave me a shot, said, go calm me down for surgery. Well, it did. I went to sleep, and they gave me anesthesia, and I didn't breathe for four minutes. They ran in, cut my throat while I'm jumping around, stuck chest tubes in me. I'm in intensive care for four or five days, the hospital, a few more. They let me out. Uh, One of my training partners, Chuck Vogel, pulled my wife, picked me up, and they took me to the gym. So I sat around the gym a little bit right out of the hospital. Then I went home. That Sunday, I drove to the gym. I got a cast. I have um, stitches in my side with my chest tubes, and I didn't need a trach, they take my mouth shut, or my throat shut. I got in the gym, and I, and I sat there, they're going to bench, we speed bench on Sunday, and pull says, um, uh, you know, can I say what I want? He says, motherfucker, you're maxing out. And I said, what? He said, you heard me. So I'm sitting on a hand sock, they pick me up, lay me on the bench, I start going up, and I end up benching 355 with a hole in my throat and, and stitches in my side. Um, And then as I recovered from that and made, and when I was 50 years old, I was fourth in the world, third in the squad at 54, and sixth in the bench. Um, I deadlifted 7'15 at 57. I lived 6'75 at 63, had uh, 60 pounds over elite total. I was top 10 in the world for 30 years. I was elite literate for 37. How did I do it? I didn't. I did it with the help of Dave Tate and Chuck Vogelpohl, and all the other guys, Kenny Patterson, George Halbert. Joe McCoy, all the crazy people in my gym that would not let me quit even if I wanted to quit. I was going to die. I'll never quit. I'll die before I quit. And, and it's easy when you got guys pushing you right up in your face with a finger in your face saying, motherfucker, you're maxing out. Now a volume, Tom. It does. Volume is volume. Math is math, as far as I know. You know, gravity is the same on this planet throughout the the world. And so when you when I talk about uh, volume, if you buy a book, a simple book, "Managing the Training of the Weightlifters," it talks about premonent starts. The first thing I started using in 1982. Um, if you got a, a 400 squat or a 400 clean, the volume's the same. You break it up by percent, that's How you train, you will never overtrain. And I was setting doing a seminar in Vegas with Dr. Mel around late 90s and uh, Mel shows up late so I talk for an hour 65 people all over the world there Mel comes in runs right up in front of me and starts talking it's kind of funny you know because I know Mel is a good friend fortunately he's dead now but they're looking at him like he's crazy but he starts talking about a minute in he goes uh, he goes You know, you never train minimally. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's what to. He said, you never train maximally. I go, wait a minute. That's why I tear my hands, tear hamstring. He said, you train optimally. As smart as Mel was and one of the most smartest people I've ever known in the world of biomechanics, that that was the most profound thing he'd ever said to me. And I went back and started training optimally, and the whole gym took off. We were strong in contest. You have to learn delayed transformation if you know what that is. You have to learn these three-week pendulum waves. You're always strong. If I went to a normal gym and I say, "Hey, we challenge you to a contest," a normal gym would say, "Okay, we'll meet you in 10 or 12 weeks or 15 weeks." A guy I walk in my gym says, "We challenge you to a contest." I say, "Let's go," because we break our record on max effort every week. We can break record anytime we want. You see it all the time, right, Tom? all right so you got to learn the, the volume my book has extensive work on periodization by the greatest um, professors of periodization that there was and i follow their recommendations you might not like me but my last book the uh, spatial strength for all sports has seven pages of references i'm guessing that's about six and a half more than most people's ever read and that's just a partial list of my book. As Tom's been to my house and see my books, I have books on on everything. And I'm I'm a, it's all I do is study, write, and experiment. I don't do anything else. I'm a bum. I don't have to. I'm lucky. I got people here do all the work, and all we do is experiment. Tom's now's learning. You got to experiment. Don't be afraid. Who cares how dumb it looks? a damn thing might work. And and you know, two out of ten they do work. And it takes everyone to a new level. So that's what you got to have an open mind. Take that word out of your vocabulary, can't, and start saying, I can't, and I'm going to kick ass, and you will. Got more?
1: No, there's a good place to... Okay.
0: I'd like to thank Fabio,
1: and I'd like to thank Louie. This is the Westside Barbell Podcast, and we'll be back to you next week.
0: This is Westside Barbell with strength and conditioning legend, Louis Simmons. Westsidebarbell.com
2: the strongest website in the world.